0: Speaking of sniffing, I, I will also mention like that white craft glue that you'd like put over your hands and then like slowly peel off. Just me? Okay, that's fine.
1: Welcome to Keep It Fictional, a weekly podcast for book lovers by book lovers. Build your to-be-read list with Sadie, Liz, Virginia, Fiona, and Kareen from the Port Moody Public Library. Warning, this podcast contains strong opinions and may cause an increase in your library holds list.
2: Welcome back to our Keep It Fictional podcast. I think last week we talked about our favorite thing about fall. Books, obviously. I know fall is also, especially September, is also a time where people think about back to school. So we're gonna do an episode of books that are set in school or that feature school or that talks about school life and all that. Before we start, what is your favorite school supply? Oh,
0: definitely the pens. Pens okay. in all kinds of colors, in all kinds of nib sizes. Okay. <laughs> thin ones and then the thick ones. Pens you can doodle with, pens you can write with. I'm serious, though. <laughs> Moving on,
3: Irene. Um, I'm actually going to go, if I'm going, if I'm thinking back to when I was actually going to school, um, full scab. You know, like the, the lined
0: paper, something about it being all like blank and fresh and new, just like excited. All the potential of all the things that That's you will empty. be writing. From exactly. Paper? Yeah, yeah. Fiona, mm-hmm. how about you? Um... Probably notebooks or backpacks, if that's allowed to count. Sure. And Sadie? Um, Thinking back, definitely pencil crayons. Love me
1: a good set of pencil crayons. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now, daytimers. I always love buying a good daytimer so that I can plan everything, write out my calendar. Yeah, I like structure.
2: (laughs) and you
0: virginia what was your favorite school supply
2: i think when i was back in hong kong you actually get to buy books and it's like one of those like bookstore where you can't really browse because you're not allowed to but like it's like a counter basically and then you just give like tell them what school you're from and what what um you know like what grade you're in and then they just give you all brand new books
3: that sounds dreamy
2: yep you just sniff the book like so good oh speaking
3: of sniffing i I will also
0: amend like that white craft glue that you could, like put over your hands and then like slowly peel off. Just me? Okay, that's fine. Nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> we always,
2: always learn the... so much about each other <laughs> every single time. I think that's what all the audience always say. Just like, what's What's wrong with them?
0: Like. Mm-hmm. Every week people are gonna start Um, buying
1: Korean containers of white glue now.
2: White glue, yes. And if you know when when all the white glue disappear from the library, you know, you know Mm -hmm. why. Hmm. (laughs) So let's talk about books. And I think Sadie has a very school school book here.
1: So I love back to school. I September is one of my favorite times of year because it is fall, but also because I love back to school. And even now that I am no longer in school, I still love like the energy of going back to school. Uh, So this is a very exciting week for me and I am going to be talking about Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. Uh, Lee Bardugo has mostly written YA books. Uh, She has two series, um, kind of interconnected series uh, for YA, which I have absolutely loved as well. Uh, And this is her first adult um, series. And so this book takes place, the school in question is Yale University. And the ninth house in question is the ninth secret society at Yale University. So, everyone or many people have heard of the eight secret societies at Yale University. This includes the skull and bones, the scroll and key, the book and snake, the wolf's head, manuscript, Aurelian, St. Elmo's, and Berzelius. So, these are the eight secret societies, eight houses of Yale University. As far as I know, they actually exist. So, this is not fictional. So this book revolves around the Ninth House, and it tells the story of Alex Stern. And Alex has not had a great life. Uh, she ended up dropping out of high school. She's now living with her drug dealer boyfriend, friend of hers, Helly, as well. They're not really doing that good. Um, she sort of knows that she's not going anywhere in life. Until she wakes up in the hospital as the sole survivor of a massive murder. Helly has been killed. Her boyfriend has been killed. Everybody who was in this house has been killed except for Alex. She is found there and she was the only one that survived. She wakes up and the dean of Yale University is at her bedside with an offer for her. He tells her that if she comes to Yale and joins this ninth house, which is called Leth L-E-T-H-E, then he will give her basically a free ride in Yale. So she doesn't have to pay for anything. She doesn't have to apply. She just gets to kind of leave her her um, old life behind and try for a new life at Yale. So she decides that she, she will do this. And she goes to Yale and joins this secret society called Leth. Uh, One very special thing about Alex is that she has always been able to see what are called greys. This book does have magic in it, and greys are ghosts. So uh, Alex has always been able to see ghosts, and this is one of the reasons that they would like her to join the secret society. So this secret society, unlike all of the other houses, is actually in charge of monitoring the other eight houses. So they attend all of the ceremonies, they attend all of the occult rituals, that all of these other houses at Yale participate in. And they are there to make sure that nothing goes wrong, that everyone is kept safe and that no magic um, leaks out to the rest of the world. So at one of these rituals, Alex's mentor, uh, Daniel Arlington disappears. Nobody knows what's happened to him. The university covers it up, uh, tells everyone that he's on a trip to Spain, but everybody who is at the ritual and Alex knows better. At the same time, there is a murdered student that shows up on campus. Alex is sent to investigate uh, this murder and determine whether or not it is connected to one of the secret societies and whether it is connected to magic. So our story is told sort of in a different, a few different points of view. Uh, We see the present day where Daniel has already disappeared. Alex is now holding up in a apartment injured. We have no idea what's happened to her. She's trying to figure out what has happened to to, Al, um, to Daniel. And that's kind of all that we know when we start the book. And then as it goes on, we start to see flashbacks and we start to see what actually happened in the months leading up to, to this attack, leading up to Daniel's disappearance. And we kind of learn more about Alex. We learn more about the murder that she survived and learn more about her potential involvement in that and why she was the only one to survive um, that murder, as well as all of the occult connections to all of the houses in Yale University, as well as the teachers, the students, and everyone who goes to Yale University. So lots of magic, lots of occult demons, Ghosts, uh, that kind of stuff, but all on the lovely fall campus of Yale University in the Ivy Leagues—a lovely setting for all of this magical um, occult mystery to to go down. So, I would highly recommend Ninth House by Lee Bardugo.
2: I wish my school was that exciting.
1: (laughs) No, no, no one else will. uh... (laughs) Yes find some sort of occult book. I prefer and... my campus is demon-free.
2: Well, what kind of school do you have for us, Miss Corrine? Well, this is a
3: book actually set in kind of my dream school. So it is 1930s and we are in a girls boarding school in England, which of course, as a young kid, I was dying to go to boarding school. The skirts, the blazers, oh, the learning Latin. Yeah, it was everything I wanted, but um, I ended up going to public school. So it's the 1930s and newly arrived to the boarding school of deep Dean is Hazel Wong. And she is newly arrived from Hong Kong. Her father is an incurable Anglophile um, and he just loves the idea of his daughter going to a boarding school like they do in the books that he reads. And so she kind of puts up a brave face and goes to this new school in this new country. Um, but inside, she despairs. The food is terrible. Uh, the weather is terrible. The people are pretty full-time terrible. The only kind of interesting thing at the school, so far as she can see, is that there is one other person at that school who is kind of hiding what they are inside, and that person is Daisy Wells. Now, Daisy Wells is blonde and outgoing and seemingly a bit simple, but in every way is the flower of British maidenhood, gentle, simpering, and just so excited to be here. But Hazel is observant, Hazel is sharp, and she knows that Daisy is not who she pretends to be at school. Daisy is instead a bit of a bossy boss um, with a very, very sharp mind. She's incredibly intelligent, um, as is Hazel, and they kind of bond over their mutual love of solving mysteries and observing people and trying to discover all of their secrets. And so to this end, they found the Wells and Wong Detective Agency. It's been a while since they founded their detective agency, and they have yet to get, like, a real case because there is not a lot of crime that happens in a girls' boarding school in the 1930s in the middle of nowhere. Thankfully, or unthankfully, depending on where you are in this situation, one day when Hazel forgets her sweater in the gymnasium and has to run back after the rest of the class is empty, she stumbles upon the bloodied body of her science teacher, Miss Bell. Lying in a pool of blood all alone. Shocked, aghast, um, Hazel runs out of the room to find Daisy, her best friend, and to find the headmistress of the school. But when she brings them back to the gymnasium to show and help, the body is gone. And the gym is sparkling clean. So both Hazel and Daisy are going to First, have to solve the mystery of what happened and who happened to their science teacher. And secondly, convince everyone that this crime actually happened in the first place. So I love this is a series. It is published in Canada and the US. The first book is called Murder is Bad Manners. And the UK, it was published as Murder Most Unladylike. And it is... uh, Nine book series lately just ended. The last book has been published in England. Um, They are still kind of catching up here in North America, but I maybe went and ordered all of these as my quarantine present to myself to read later. Um, I love this series because it it really grows. Um, Hazel and Daisy, Daisy kind of starts as not really respecting Hazel and Hazel starts as a little bit shyer and you see her kind of develop her, her muscles and her assertiveness and kind of like find herself and her way. She's a really fascinating narrator and you're just like cheering for her at the end. And what I really like is that at its core, this is very much like Agatha Christie meets Enid Blyton. And those are just like, they're my jam, all put together under a fantastic package. Um, so this is primarily meant for middle grades. However, as an adult who has watched all of the Poirots, um, I loved it, I loved it, loved it, loved it. And would heartily, heartily recommend it to anyone who w- loves that kind of like golden age of detection.
2: And as you know, since Corinne is such a big mystery fan, this is high praise, high praise from her. If she thinks it's good, everybody should give it a try. Fiona, what kind of school do you have? Um, the book I chose is
4: actually a graphic novel, and it takes place in a high school called Super Mutant Magic Academy. Now, this is actually a, a day school, so it's not a boarding school, and the students all have... Not necessarily superpowers, Um, some do, but sort of just anomalies. Some of them have lizard heads, Uh, some of them can never die, it's a real mix. And they go to this school for such children, but in reality, the school is really a lot like a regular high school. They are really more like teenagers with regular problems, They just happen to be a little bit more freakish than the freaks of high school. Um, So this is by Jillian Tamaki, the Tamaki cousins. With her cousin, she wrote Skim and This One Summer, uh, both excellent, excellent books. But I really like to read her stuff uh, that she's done on her own. It tends to get a little bit weirder, a lot less structured. And this did originally come out as a webcomic. Well, I don't like to read comics on the web, I love when they publish them as books for me. So if you did enjoy my pick of Women World, this is, has a real similar vibe. It's super understated. Um, it is not at all a superhero comic, if that's what you're thinking. It's more of like a slice of life for teenagers with this weird backdrop, which I really, really love. It doesn't do a lot of world building. It just drops you in the world and says, okay... The student has a dinosaur head. Just uh, deal with it. So Marsha is our lead character, and she has a deep, deep crush on her best friend, Wendy, and is just suffering through high school uh, with the fact that she can't really tell Wendy, and she just has a lot of angst coming out of this. They spend all their time together. Uh, they're great friends, but it is very clear that they have different Uh, expectations from their friendships, or different desires from their friendships. Um, There's also Adam, the everlasting boy, who can't die, or when he does die, he's just rejuvenated. There's Gemma and uh, Francis, and Francis, to my knowledge, doesn't have any superpowers. Uh, She just is really into art and performative art, Um, and Gemma's sort of her, like, simple best friend who uh, follows her around and comments on her ridiculous performative art pieces. Of course, there's also, you know, like the jocks and the, the same tropes that you would see in every high school, um, but they just have this sort of hilarious twist to them. We follow Marsha through a lot of it um, and get some side characters as well, and it does eventually culminate into a storyline at the end, but most of them are sort of one-off comics, uh, little laughs that... Add to a bigger story in universe, much like uh women world that I spoke about before. I love the way this captures teenage angst, sort of the like the weirdness and self consciousness that teenagers feel, and I love how understated it is i just I love that you know uh Tamaki chose the setting without sort of the intention of of dipping into that genre um it's just sort of like. You know, what would make this more fun for me to write is if they were all super mutants. And and so that's what she did. It's definitely a very personal project, I think. And if you like her humor, then I highly recommend it. And for those of you who don't know, uh, her humor is just sort of, again, like, understated. Uh, she won't explain things. She'll just leave you, them there for you. Very much about acknowledging the strangeness of existence. So I find her quite amusing. And this is one of my favorite
2: of her works I love when Fiona said like oh they have my classmate has a dinosaur <laughs> head just deal with it. just
3: yes. one of them has a dinosaur head and then one of them doesn't
4: die like
2: it's completely normal it's just
4: yeah.
2: <laughs> it's just what it is it's just what and it they is have, you know, um, so I'm saying they have a no feeling of sorry, superiority over each other of like you know one
4: of these things is a little more useful
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously, the dinosaur head. The dinosaur head <laughs> Versus immortality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think we all know which dinosaur. one people would pick in that situation.
2: Uh-huh. Dinosaur head. Um, before we go on, in high school, we're kind of stuck reading a lot of books that we don't get to choose, not like our book chat. So what are some of the books or give you, give you have a favorite book that you read during high school? that you're like, it's not of your choice, but you were forced to read it, but it still turns out to be okay. So feel now.
4: I don't know if this counts because I did, I, I, can't, I feel like maybe our teacher gave us a list and let us choose from that in grade 10. And I chose Watership Down off, off of that list. Um, and until like, I don't know, maybe five years ago, I would have said that was my favorite book. <laughs> I loved it.
1: Nice. I never nice. read the book, but the movie, the movie terrified me. So creepy. Yeah, I think that's why I just didn't want to engage with that at all anymore, because the movie was so terrifying. <laughs> but maybe I should try it now.
4: If if that freaked you out um, and you didn't enjoy that experience, then uh, I would say don't. <laughs> but,
1: <gasps> no, I was no. also very young, though. I feel like I may have seen it younger than I should have.
3: Yeah, the book is
2: beautiful, really beautiful. What about you, Sadie? What have you read in high school that you actually Mm -hmm. enjoyed?
1: So again, I feel like there was a list, and I really didn't want to read the other books on the list, is what I remember. And so I read The Chrysalids, and I actually really, really enjoyed it. And if you ask me to describe what it's about now, I I cannot remember at all, but I just remember actually wanting to read it when I was reading it, not having to force myself to sit down and just get through it. Um, so yeah, Chris Lutz, I think John Wyndham is the author of that one. And uh, then I also, I'm a huge Shakespeare fan. So I loved, we read Macbeth, we read Hamlet and I think Macbeth is my all-time favorite Shakespeare play ever. So I really enjoyed reading that.
2: Well, it was nice to hear that the school system has changed because there was definitely no choice when I was there. <laughs> What is this? Everybody reads the same book. What are you talking about? (laughs) Corrine.
3: Um, we did a lot of Canlet, which I feel has made some of the issues that I might have with Canlet. But the one that I really remember having like a powerful impact was uh Joy Kagawa's Obasan. Um I remember reading that in class and just like openly weeping which is of course what you want to do in high school in the middle of English class is just start crying um, but I remember kind of getting to the end and you realize what has happened and the writing is so sparse and so beautiful and so poetic that it just kind of moved me so much that that I was weeping openly in uh, high school full of other high school students
1: who I'm sure responded really well to that and as sex as high school students do this.
0: I feel like my high school literature experience has been very different from all of yours so far. Um, first off, no choice whatsoever, um, and didn't get to read great books like Watership Down or The Chrysalids. Yeah, like none of that, like, <laughs> um, or Obasan, like, um, I, I, I was aware of these books. I heard that other um, people that I knew the school had read these in their classes but for whatever reason I was not granted the privilege or the joy. Only in university did I realize that I really dislike prescribed reading because I've had such bad luck with it. Um, That being said, uh, not necessarily favorite books but I'd say ones I actually may have enjoyed in high school are uh, Ray Bradbury's uh, Fahrenheit 451 uh, and then also kind of got on the Shakespeare kick with um, works like Hamlet.
3: You got to read Fahrenheit 400. We had to read something Wicked This Way Comes,
0: which is a lesser work.
3: I'm so jealous, Liz. I am so So
0: I guess jealous. I left out somewhere along the line.
3: You really did. We had to Touché. read Stone Angel and like, Hamlet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Again, not big on the Camlet.
3: Yeah. No. What about you, Virginia?
2: Um. I think when I came here, like, none of the books make any sense to me, obviously. And I think the first book I was forced to read was The Pearl Steinbeck. Yeah. Uh huh. Like, and it was a ESL class, right? So it's like, they just figure, well, it's a book that is short. So let's just give it to them when there is no way, just because the book is short, doesn't mean it's in any way that we could relate to or understand I was just like why why Um, I did I did end up enjoying like at some point Steinbeck's books but not not at that point not in when a first year when trying to learn English that doesn't work Um, but I think like Sadie um, Chrysalis was good Flowers for Algernon I think is another book that I remember reading that was that was good but other than that, it was all a lot of like, like all quiet on Western front and farewell to arms and all of that. And it was like that. So, yeah, that's why I'm like choices. What is this like that you get to pick choices? Yeah. Yeah. Choices. That's adorable. Right. Um. But I guess one other question would be like, would you have picked up any of those books if it weren't prescribed?
3: Wouldn't have picked up the Stone Angel.
2: I actually enjoyed the Stone Angel. I didn't mind it that much.
1: I feel like you can get the same thing out of reading a book that you pick yourself if you're not being forced
2: to read the book wouldn't you enjoy it more wouldn't you i guess it's also like that you're forced to do homework on it you're forced mm-hmm. to write an essay about it you're forced to like analyze it i guess that's what makes it not enjoyable in some mm-hmm. way i did a lot of
4: not reading books and just like looking up Cole's notes because I was being forced mm-hmm. to read it. And it was like, you can't make me read this. Yeah, so I think like they'd have a like, and then you go, but like, I know some people in university read Dracula and I was like, oh, whatever. And then when you go and read classic literature for the first time after being out of school and you don't have to think about it critically, or <laughs> like write about it. And it's such an enjoyable experience. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so we can just put it down because you're like, I don't want to read this.
2: Yeah, true. All right. Anything else about high school books? Found memories?
3: The only memory that I strongly have is that we had to do a group project about something Wicked This Way Comes and ours was about the main character's development over the course of the book. And I was paired with someone who had the idea that at the beginning, the character was like doe and then by the end, he was... Bread because he had been baked and developed by the end and then distributed fresh baking to everyone in our class. I was
1: going to say, did you
3: bake bread for your presentation? <laughs> I didn't because I thought it was a cheap gimmick, but we got an A. So
4: that's amazing.
1: I learned, how the, I learned how the system works. <laughs> it's symbolic. I feel like if you focus on the symbolism, then... I mean, yeah.
4: <laughs> I'm sure we can talk about this. We could talk about this all day, but when that person got to university, or if they went to university, I'm sure they had a rude awakening of like... <laughs>
1: the first time they brought homemade muffins to their English class, it just didn't go over the same way. <laughs>
4: But I really want to hear what our viewers read in high school. Because now I'm like really, really interested. Like, what is their standard? Do people read the same things? What province are you from? Where did you go to high school?
1: Well, I feel like even between mine and my sister, who was two years older than me, we even had different options for books to mm-hmm. read. So I don't know if it was just teachers would pick. Like, they have a the big list and they get to pick from that big list. And it just kind of depends.
2: I guess given the people that come into the library to ask for books for the school, I don't know how much it has actually changed. We were talking about that earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Like kind of the same titles that keep coming up. So yeah, but do let us know in the comments what kind of high school books you have to read, especially the good ones, you know, the ones that you love, I guess. Or maybe later on discover like when you, I don't know why you reread it again, but later on when you discover, hey, you know, maybe this is not so bad
3: some people reread books
2: Virginia if well, okay. decided that you hated it in high school do you know what I mean yeah reread books okay that's an, that's another conversation go back to a couple episodes <laughs> <laughs> you get that other argument all right so um let's move on to more books that are set in school which one am I talking about okay um can I I still can't decide yeah I know <laughs> I think I'm gonna just go with something fun because I'm tired of talking about sad things okay so um so the one that i have so i was telling everybody how i spent the whole weekend trying to find a book that is set in school that i like and and try to read a bunch of them and none of them really turns out either they weren't they just weren't school enough or they were like just not very good um so i end up just i'm like you know what let's just go with something that i know i enjoy and this is not like don't think too hard on it this is nothing deep It is just a fun, silly book. And it is a manga series called Assassination Classroom. I do have the Japanese version here. This is one of my first books that I bought in Japanese in, in a Seattle bookstore, which I wish I can go back to. But anyway, so this is Assassination Classroom. The premise of it is that there is an alien that has just destroyed the moon, he just blasted it into pieces. And he just came to Earth and he said, In a year, I'm going to do the same thing to Earth. But in the meantime, I'll give you a chance to kill me. And also, I would like to become a teacher. So what they end up doing is putting him as the homeroom teacher for Classroom 3E in this school, because nobody cares about the kids in Classroom 3E. They're kind of the misfits. They're the ones that Nobody thinks we'll become anything. So they're just like, whatever, let's just put them there. And in the meantime, we'll tell Classroom Fiji that your job every day, because you're the you're his students, you can get close to him, is to try to assassinate your teacher. And if you succeed, whoever that managed to do that will have $100,000 cash prize. So every day the routine is when the teacher shows up, and they call him Koro-sensei, because in Japanese that's kind of a play on the word means like somebody you cannot kill, um, so it's, and, and also teacher, which is sensei. So, um, so Kolo-sensei will come into class and he'll start his roll call. And while he was doing roll call, everybody will pull up all the weapons and all the guns and everything that they can find that the government gives to them and, and experimental high-tech weapons. And we'll try to um, kill the teacher every day. That's how they start school. But of course, it turns out that Kolo-sensei is also a very good teacher. <laughs> He's actually really good at what he's doing. He cares a lot about his his kids and he does. He really believes in them. He doesn't think that they are useless and, and that they are just a waste of time. And he cares a lot about, even though he's like a homicidal alien who's trying to destroy Earth, he still wants them to be good students. He cares a lot of them turning in their homework and being good at it. And he turns out to be a very, very nice guy somehow. So, like I said, a weird random premise and it's sometimes quite sweet because of what he does as a teacher. This is the kind of manga that I grew up with. It's just kind of wacky, crazy, chaotic and that's kind of what I grew up with and it always is the kind of manga that I like the most. So if you're looking for something fun, something crazy, try this. Oh, this is Assassination Classroom by Yusei Matsui.
1: That sounds a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I like, I, like, I like the twist of the fact that he's actually a good he teacher. He's a very
2: good teacher. And he looks like a smiley face, like a emoji <laughs> smiley face with a bunch of tentacles. <laughs> and his face color changes. He's usually yellow when he's normal, but it changes depending on his like feelings. So
4: yeah. I know I have some adult friends that read and watch this, but what's the like what the youngest
2: age you would recommend it for um because I grew up with it like I was really young when I'm like watching stuff like this so it's I think I have a very different gauge of what is acceptable <laughs> and what is not so I don't know if I'm the best judge for this <laughs> but I would assume it's a, like probably marketed as teen yeah. i think it's
3: marketed for teen but as we say you know your child best so some stuff that's like marketed to teen if you're a tween who can kind of like handle stuff like that then then it's probably okay but yeah
2: and um, continuing our uh, japanese translator novels or comics we're saving well at least korean and i see korean i never agree on anything but we agree that the next pick that liz has we we're kicking ourselves for not picking liz what have you got for us
0: Okay, way way to hype it up, Virginia. Thanks a lot. Way to hype it up. Uh, (laughs) So this is a uh, book originally written in Japanese that was translated into English, and it's called Confessions by Kane Minato. And this book is bananas in its own way. So no aliens here, but uh, it is quite the psychological thriller. This book does primarily take place in a school, a middle school, where... One of the teachers is named Yuko Moriguchi. She's a single mother and her pride and joy at home is her four-year-old daughter. Now, sadly, uh, that daughter, who she sometimes takes to school with her, sadly, her daughter is found dead and drowned in the middle school's swimming pool one day. It looks like an accident. Uh, Looks like she just happened to wander into the pool area and in and wasn't able to get out of the pool. However, Moraguchi knows better. She's absolutely certain that two of her middle school students had killed her young daughter. And now because the two students are minors, she feels that it's useless to go to the police. They're minors. They'll get juvenile detention. They'll get rehabilitation. They won't truly be punished for their heinous crime. So she decides not to go to the authorities and take matters into her own hands. And that is the catalyst for this book. After this tragedy, she has told the school that she will resign. But before she does, she gathers her class together for one last class, one last lecture. And in this lecture, she turns the entire class upside down by what she has to say. Now, this story is told from multiple points of view. Sometimes you're not sure if the narrator is being reliable or not. It's it's definitely a psychological thriller. Uh, it really gets into the heads of the characters and, and what motivates them to do what they're doing, whether it be exacting revenge or to commit a crime uh, against another person. It's definitely a revenge story. It's very calculated um, in the way that the teacher Moriguchi um Exacts her revenge and starts to put her plan into action. And it's also an interesting look at mothers and children. how do how does the behavior of mothers uh, in child rearing, how does that influence what their children do? Well, you definitely see uh, what happens in this story. Lots of twists, lots of shocking moments, so I can't really tell you too much about what exactly those things are, what exactly. Uh, she does to get the ball rolling in terms of exacting her revenge and how that all plays out. But this was definitely one of those books where I felt I had to devour this in one sitting. And I don't I don't say that very often, despite all the books that we do see at the library. Uh, this was one of those unputdownable books that I feel has really, I mean, everybody has, has seen or heard on our book chats and our, our podcasts, um, you know, what diverse reading tastes we all have. And yet, um, for those of us in the group who have actually read the book, we've we've all agreed hands down that this is um, this is one of those books that stands the test of time in terms of um, a must read. So I do highly recommend Confessions by Kenei Minato.
2: So good. And this is one of those books that does twist right. Because a lot of books are like, they say you have a true big, giant, twisty ending. But it doesn't make any sense when they review the end. But this one, just like...
3: Virginia, I was reading this book. I used to have a very, very long commute. And I was reading this book on a bus. And I was in the window seat and someone was um, seated to my right. And I was reading this and I didn't realize it. But at the end of every chapter, I would go, <gasps> I'm going to like... <gasps> and finally the guy next to me just turns over, he's like, Look, you know, I gotta ask, what are you reading that's so good? <laughs> um, it was like, it's the confessions you gotta read. It's like fine, because clearly you're enjoying it. So yeah, love it. It as you say, Virginia, it does it right. Cause you don't see it coming and it just kind of but it fits so well with everything.
4: I'm intrigued.
0: Have we sold you on Fiona and Sadie? Maybe. <laughs>
1: maybe, maybe. <laughs> We failed. We failed, Sadie.
3: But we might no,
1: have gotten the it <laughs> It's just not my kind of book. Just not my. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I am pretty sensitive to like child violence. So. Yeah, that's kind of
3: what what got me too. Maybe not for you, but for everyone else. For everyone else, <laughs>
0: great book. Great book. Like dark and twisty and psychological, for sure.
2: So good. So good. <laughs> All right. Well, that. <laughs> our show. We're early today. What's going on? Yeah,
3: and we have to hurry to get back to <laughs> school, Virginia.
2: Oh. Right, of course,
4: of course. <laughs> very good, very good. School dreams. Do you all still have
2: them? Sorry? Have what? School dreams where you realize yes. I'm still yes. in
1: school.
2: Yes, I missed class although I actually didn't graduate. Yeah,
1: so the yeah, one I better. have is that I have like I've missed a whole bunch of classes in a semester, and now I have to take like a final exam yes. or write yes. a paper. Yeah. And and know. if I don't do that, I'm not going to get my credits, and yes. I'm not going to graduate. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, yeah. The was. one with the final
3: exam, and the one that there's a paper due that I absolutely have not written. Yeah, should have gotten mm-hmm. a better daytimer, I guess. <laughs> Keep track of those things. Yeah, and the right and the
1: right pen. Exactly. Oh yeah, they go hand in hand. You can color code the things that are due when and how what yes, classes see. they're for. Yeah.
0: Highlighters, those are part yeah. of pens as well. The pen category. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: I hate highlighters. It it's so reasonable. pointless. <laughs> I just a highlighter. Right highlighter. I hate it so much. Ugh. I always have
4: highlighter ambitions but then never actually use them. Or like I'm gonna color code and then it's like you realize you've read like three chapters and you haven't been thinking about...
1: Or you spend more time trying to remember what your color coding scheme was. I I used to do that with highlighters. I would make it too complicated (laughs) and then I'd pick one. I'm like, is this the right color? I don't remember anymore.
3: Well, I'm glad we don't have to go back to school. Yeah, but to all of those who are going back into school in any capacity, we hope that you have an absolutely fantastic school year. Yes. Um, So many things to look forward to, so much learning to do, so much reading, so much highlighting, so much writing. Um, So for all of our students, for all of our teachers, our professors, all of the support staff at the schools, um, we hope that you have an absolutely fantastic school year from all of us at the Port Moody Public Library. All right. Great. Thank
2: you. I else Thank you. Nothing else, to say. <laughs> nothing else to add to that. Yeah. That would be yep. perfect. Perfect. All
4: right.
2: All right. Well, we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening.
1: If you like our show, please tell a fellow book lover about it. You can find a list of all the books we discussed in our show notes. Join us next week for another fun book chat. Until then. Keep it fictional.